0: It's, it's fire, it's advancing the kingdom, and uh, in connection today, it's, it's, it's living a, a quote-unquote riskier life. All right, man, I, I don't know if I can preach now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Glory,
0: I know. That was the runway, gosh. All right, we're going to open Leviticus 23. I know Leviticus, the least uh, read book in the Bible. But if it's the least read book of the Bible, uh, you better read the first phrase. Uh, And in Hebrew, uh, the original name of the book is not Leviticus, it's Vakit Krav, and the Lord Spoke. Now, if a book of the Bible which is not read that much is entitled in Hebrew, The Lord Spoke, we got a problem. The Lord Spoke. I want to read that book. Read all the books. That's just a little side. Leviticus 23. And Eric, uh, right, you get ready with the shofar, uh, the please. Uh, verse 24. Or verse 23, why not? Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer, an offering, made by fire, to the Lord, so a blowing of the trumpets when we blow the shofar, if you if you may, please. Sunset began a biblical feast, which ended last night at sunset. Okay. Uh, Now, many people call it Rosh Hashanah, which means Rosh, which in Hebrew is the head, and the Shana is year, head of the year, Jewish New Year. All right. Now, I just read that. This is nothing about a new year. Okay. Nothing. So, it's a rabbinical interpretation that this is now the spiritual New Year. The reality here is this: in many regards, it's a biblical feast in some ways have been uh, quote-unquote corrupted or co-opted, okay? Now it's cute, it's meaningful, we can wish each other, you know, people in certain circles wish each other a new year, and, you know, Jewish families or Christians who want to partake in this will eat apples and honey, and it's nice and it's cute, it's not necessarily anything wrong, it's just not complete truth. Now, what's really going on here is actually a very, very powerful exhortation in the book of Leviticus, And it's this. Yesterday, the holiday, is not called Rosh Hashanah, it's called Yom Teruah, okay? And you are to blow the shofar, not eat apples and honey and wish each other a happy year, blow the trumpets, because it signifies the beginning of 10 days. The 10 days of all, A-W-E. And it's during this time period that it begins, and at the end of the 10 days is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Like, Older Testament concepts of the sins of Israel are to be purged or covered over. And if that sacrifice is not, is not made, then the sins of Israel continue for another year. Right, The, the Yom Kippur sacrifice, which is the representation right, that Jesus comes and is the fulfillment of, it's that. And so, you blow the trumpets, why? Because for 10 days, the people and the nation are to get ready.
1: Amen.
0: Yeah. Very different viewpoint than Christianity. Yeah. What do you mean you get ready? Prepare thyself, prepare thy heart to receive the blood of the lamb. In this case, actually technically the blood of the goat. But, receiving the blood, it's a preparation. Like Get your heart ready. Think about. Ponder. Last year's sins. Think about what you've done. And think about how far you have missed the mark and how how, how far the nation has gone away from the things of the Lord. Ponder that first. Then repent. Then receive. Ten days. Can you imagine if someone comes to you and says, oh, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and you're like, well, don't, let's not do the sinner's prayer yet. Why don't you spend the next 10 days reflecting upon your life and what this really means? I don't know that's theologically sound. The I mean, New Testament's like you repent, be baptized, it's all done, but I'm just saying, like, you know, in, in, in a grandiose vision, like, it's like, think about what you're about to do. Because 10 days later, the book of life will be Opened. For your name to be written in. That's not like just Jesus in Revelation. That's an older covenant concept. And that obviously is related to the Lamb's Book of Life that we all are written in that does not get washed out every year. It's there permanently, right? Because it's written in the ink of the blood of the Lamb of God. And so I'm just trying to say it's a little bit different than like Mashurna Tovah," Happy New Year. Oh, there's nothing wrong with wishing Jewish people a happy new year. It's a like very nice and cordial thing to do. It's just, in a sense, it's missing the depth of what's really going on. Yeah. Right, the new year in the biblical calendar actually happens in the springtime. which makes sense. There's green, there's life, there's things returning, right? right. Uh, but actually, uh, the, the Hebrew right here is uh, a day of, of, of not a new year, it, it, it is a, a, a day known as Yom Teru'ah, which means the day of shouting. It's a day of shouting. It's not Yom Shofar. It's not Yom of the Shofar. It's the day of shouting. It's a day when the nation shouts an alarm. Repentance! Now listen to this. Repentance, because in 10 days from now, the blood... The atonement is coming. You guys are picking up on
1: this.
0: 1 Thessalonians 4 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet, the shofar of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, and the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be. With the Lord. Many theologians think that the Lord's return, the true Lord's return, the rapture, will take place in this season. Because it biblically makes sense. Amen. I mean, if Jesus comes and gives himself as the Passover lamb or the lamb of sacrifice for the atonement of sins during the feast of Passover, Amen. wouldn't it make sense for him to return during this season? When the trumpet is blasted, I mean, we're all going to hear the trumpet one day and the graves are going to open up. Wouldn't it make sense for him to do that when he hits planet Earth and then he journeys into Jerusalem and he presents himself in the temple once again, presenting the day, the atonement of God. Now, I'm not God. No one knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son of Man, but I'm just saying it kind of makes sense. So this is a powerful season we're in. It's a powerful season of reflection, but we may not know about it because we don't necessarily read the cry The Lord spoke. The blowing of the shofar, as we heard, has a lot of biblical imagery and a lot of biblical themes. I mean. It, you read through the stories of the Bible, I mean, there's so much of it. It's the Lord's return. It's it's this day of shouting. Uh, it is going around the walls of Jericho and blowing the trumpets, and the walls come down. There's all this imagery, but the reality is, I, I don't know of any other more ancient, primal sound, right? Uh, maybe it's the sound of of of, of, of a woman giving birth. Maybe the only other thing that may trump that, but you know, you're cutting the the anchor off an animal, and you're like, drilling a hole in it, and you're blowing it, and it's like it reverberates, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we, we have that going on. And uh, so, what am I doing here? If you, if you want to know more about this biblical feast, if you want to know more about this thing, I mean, you can go on our website and you can click in like Rosh Hashanah or something like that, and you can mm-hmm. see the last two years of messages. I'm sorry, it's a little bit of my personality. Type. It's very hard for me to replicate teaches, teachings. Like it's its hard for me. Like, I don't I'm like, ah, I don't know, like just, ah, oh, what was last year's Easter sermon? Let's just reboot that. Like, that's hard for me to do. I'm like, I can't do that. I just can't do it. Like, I feel like I need to take a different spin. The Lord wants to give a different spin. So if you're really new to like, what is this blowing show far thing? We got like, I don't know, at least a year or two chronicle of messages. You can go back. They got a primer. Uh, and so I, I felt the Lord was speaking something this year about sound. You need to take a look here. The Feast of Trumpets, a sound of remembrance for modern times. I believe that the Lord is saying in this season that the church needs to be remem- remembering this ancient sound. But the problem here is we have modern sounds now. Okay? We have modern sounds. We we sometimes lost the ancient sound. We're getting there. Give me another bottle. What is sound? Well, sound is a vibration of air that your ear picks up and interprets. Right there is profound source of truth. A sound is a vibration of air whereby your ear picks it up and then has to interpret the sound. It's interesting. Okay, what's going on here? One, there's an interpretation of sound. Like you hear something, if you've never heard it before, you have nothing to interpret, you don't know what the sound is. But if your brain has understood what it is, then you can replicate, you can interpret that sound. But it's not just that. In order to have a sound, you need someone or something to generate the sound. And so you need someone or something to generate a sound, and then you need to interpret said sound. Someone or something is making a modern noise. Someone or something is making a modern sound that our ears are picking up and are interpreting. And I don't think it's necessarily the sound of heaven. Some questions for us today. How are you interpreting the sounds... And the frequencies that you are hearing? How are you personally interpreting them? Second question Who is generating some of the sounds, some of the voices that you are hearing? Who is the author of the sound? Is there a sound you may. Is there a sound? That you may not actually be listening to. Because you can't interpret it. You can't hear it. Because all the other frequencies are drowning it out. The problem. The problem is this: in the physical and in the spirit. It is hard at times to hear different sounds at different frequencies. Here's a little test.
1: Let's do it. Oh, you can get it. As we grow older, we often lose the extreme ends of our hearing spectrum. So how many of the following sounds can you hear? How old are your ears? Okay, if you can hear 8,000, you're both alive and not hearing impaired. (laughs) But let's keep raising the frequency. How high could you hear? If you could hear all of those frequencies, you're probably under 20 years old, but that will last forever. Unlike other organs such as the liver or skin, the inner ear does not have the capacity to regenerate. In your ear, there are thousands of tiny nerve cells called hair cells. These are responsible for picking up different frequencies and sending the signal to the brain where it's processed. But as you age, the continual exposure to noise and loud sounds can break, bend, and destroy these cells. So why do the high frequencies go first? It turns out that the hairs tuned to high pitches are the first to encounter sound waves. As a result, they experience more stress and tend to degenerate earlier, which is why the older you are, the harder it is to hear high pitches. Alright, now uh, just uh, to give some clarification first,
0: particularly some of the kids that are like, I'm under 20, I didn't hear that. Um, I'm going to be 40 in a week. Under 40, I can hear when I play on my laptop. And I could hear it this morning when I tested it out. But with everyone in here, I couldn't hear that high of a frequency. So I have reason to believe at those super high frequencies, maybe these computer speakers can't even handle it. So if, if you heard like, oh yeah that's true so you know if you're under 20 and you didn't hear that you know, it would be interesting to see that video on, on better speakers Okay, uh, but the reality here is I looked around people were like looking at each other like what well, we got to be under 50 like I heard under 50 anyone else heard under 50 and people over 50 are like what the heck are you talking about no there's a sound going on alright so what's going on here it's, it's, it's age but that's not true it's not age if we really get down to what is it this is spiritual here Stress on the eardrum creates the inability to hear at the highest frequencies. Hmm. It's not because you're older that you can't hear it. That's ridiculous. It's that what has age done to you. Yes. Your ear has taken on tremendous amount of stress. Like, my brother-in-law Jose, he says all the time, he's like, I, I, I used to jam out to heavy metal music. Like, my hearing is, is, is his hearing is not that at a 32-year-old, or whatever old he is, right? Um, Jose, you can comment on the comment box about, about that. <laughs> He's at home. They're waiting. They're waiting for their baby to come. So they're, they're That's self quarantine because if they test positive, like they the, the nurses will take the baby away from them for like fourteen days, which is absurd, right? Um. So they're like hunkering down, like waiting. Okay. So they're at home right now. Um. But um. That's what's going on here. It's not the age, it's the life of the stress on the eardrum that's causing you not to be able to hear these high sounds. Now, this is what's going on. Years of hearing sounds, loud noises and stress, you create an inability to, notice caps, the highest. Come on, yeah. The highest of frequencies, the frequencies of heaven. You could no longer hear what you could hear when you were young, when the ear was tender and pure, making a spiritual here. If we undergo a tremendous amount of stress, of noise, and frequencies, and lies of the enemy, throughout your entire life, or perhaps this last year, or these last seven months of corona, yeah. and you're listening to that, it's killing the air follicles on your spiritual inner eardrum. Come on. And you're no longer going to hear the highest of frequencies. The voice of the Lord of heaven. And what he says. I believe that there have been sounds in our lives. Sounds. Noises. Frequencies. Lies. That have damaged your inner spiritual ear. Not your physical. Your spiritual hearing. Your spiritual inner ear. I'm going to copyright that. Pat, what do you call it? Register it? Whatever it is. The trademark it. Whatever, the, whatever it is. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe that we, we, we've had a, a, a very hard season, right? Seven months of craziness. Some of you have had very hard lives. Uh, and your ear has been picking up funky frequencies that burn out your spiritual eardrum where you no longer are hearing the voice that is highest above all things. Amen. Genesis 1.14 gives us a little a little understanding into what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, which may be a little new to some of you. Probably a lot of you. Genesis 1.14. Genesis 1.14. Then God said that there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. What we have here in the Hebrew is it shall be times. Uh, the Hebrew is mo'adim. Appointed times. For you Greek scholars I think that's like a Kairos moment, like a kind of a thing, right? I think. Kairos, yeah. uh, But if you're not into the Greek, uh, I, I know a, a lot more Hebrew than Greek. Uh, mo'adim, appointed time. But what I says is that I have made the stars and the seasons for you to what does it say? Science. For signs and seasons. And that's not just physical, it's spiritual. Right? There are things in the calendar, there are things that are going on on earth that are, I think, appointed times. So the Lord is giving us a little a rattle. saying, listen up. Listen up right now. This is an appointed time for me to teach you something. And I believe, clearly... That the Lord has put in his Google calendar certain holidays, certain holy times as a marker to be a sign and a wonder and a testimony to what the Lord is doing. Amen. And so I believe that we in this season right now, this season right now, guys, we're about to go into election season. <laughs> That's seven months of coronavirus. Right? It's, it's like craziness going on. We need to hear the highest of frequencies from heaven. Right. We need to hear the sound of the trumpet blast again. We need to hear the sound of the Lord. Oh. And right now, I'm going to be quite honest, in the church and outside, the church. the most powerful voice, the most powerful sound is not that. It is COVID-19. It is a fear of riots. It is a fear of, oh my gosh, when this election go- goes away, will there be a civil war to some extent? I'm not trying to put fear on you, but I'm oh my- like, when... Spiritual people say that they're feeling that they're maybe like increased angst, maybe into a, a a really funky time. And then I hear my non-spiritual, non saved uh, neighbors neighbor saying the same thing. Like I got this feeling, like something bad's gonna go down around election time. It's like, well, we could pray into that. Uh, that was big time, right? But what I'm trying to what I'm trying to convince you of is that there are a lot of sounds going on, and those sounds are stressful. Those sounds will keep you distracted. Those sounds will soak up your attention, and it will do that, and it will do that, and do that to a point until it will numb your ear. Amen. And you no longer hear what we're supposed to hear. Amen. Many, well, Sorry. many have chosen to listen to the sounds of fear in your life. Now this is not just the last seven months. I'm not even, the rest of this, I'm not preaching about coronavirus. I'm not preaching about COVID. I'm preaching about your life right now. I'm preaching about your life right now. I believe this is the sound that is reverberating, this Yom Teruah, the day of shouting, an alarm. An alarm, an alarm, an alarm. Many have chosen to listen to the sounds of fear in your life. It has damaged your inner spiritual ear to not be able to hear the blast of the trumpet and the sound of many waters. I love that, the sound of many waters. Let's turn to Psalm 29. I
1: want you to get a little, a little understanding on the sound of the Lord. Okay? This
0: is a voice of the Lord. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I think that's really profound because we were declaring that during worship. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders obviously he comes in a still, still small voice as well. The power that resounds in the voice of the Lord. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf going down to verse 8. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes... The deer give birth. It strips the forest bare, And in his temple, everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord sits at, as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This is awesome. Yeah. The sound and the voice of the Lord causes the deer to give birth. This is a gentle, beautiful thing. But at the same time, it's going to strip the wilderness bare. And I love this, right? At the time of the flood, the Lord was enthroned in heaven, is looking down. Sovereign, omnipresent, all powerful over all of heaven and earth. That's the sound of the Lord. Yeah. That's the voice of the Lord. And that's the voice of the Lord we in the church need to hear again. Amen. Psalm 29, voice of the Lord. Yeah. Come on,
1: man. Fear no evil. I
0: have no concerns. I have no fear. So the voice of the Lord is like many waters. Yeah. I gotta be honest, I'm sorry. So I like, no 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 no. I'm just saying we only, it's, it's only a one bottle sermon.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, look, I'm not I'm not gonna judge you if you if you wrestle with fear. Everyone has different things that we wrestle with, but I'm just gonna be honest with you. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy when people are walking in fear. I think what drives me um, more crazy than people walking in fear is making decisions in fear. And I think what drives me crazy even more is when people actually don't make decisions because of fear. It drives me up the wall. Like, there's a few things. My, I think my family would probably say something differently because I'm, I'm a man of a lot of... Uh, uh, I'm a little bit of an eclectic, eccentric kind of person at times, and so there's little weird things that... I'm just, I'm just weird. I, I, don't, I don't know if you realize that, but... Those closest to me will be like, yeah, Dave's an odd duck at times, but... Uh, so so I, I address that. I confess that. Um, I, I, it may drive me so nuts because it's my own weakness, it's my own sensitivities. And it has a lot to do with actually uh, my upbringing, right? I was around people that were a little bit more fearful, a little more controlling to escape the fear, and so it's like, when I see that happening, you like, it hits a nerve, you know what I mean? Like, it hits a nerve in my child, like, oop, that hurts. I remember that. So I confess that, but you know, to make it more spiritual for you guys. Look, I think most times the fear is irrational. Most times that fear is irrational, and, and that drives me nuts. And everything that really drives me nuts is that that fear is the complete Opposite spirit of the Lord. Amen. The Lord does not give you a spirit of that kind of fear. He gives you a spirit of like pacha, the the reverence of God, right? That holy fear of God. Not like, oh my gosh, He's going to like pour out His wrath on you, Amen. right? So it's, it's it's if you're walking in fear, you're walking in the complete opposite spirit of the man Jesus, the God Jesus that loves you unconditionally. Oh my kids being walking in fear because of me. So it walks in the complete opposite of the spirit of the Lord, and what really drives me nuts is used by Satan. It is used. Get this: if you are a person that struggles with fear, it is used by Satan to keep the church and the individual paralyzed. Amen. Paralyzed by fear Amen. and a lot. And it keeps, I think it's the one that really gets me. It keeps the church and the individual static. That's right. Static meaning not growing, not changing, not moving. That's right. Fear will keep you paralyzed to the point where you no longer grow, you no longer change, you're not moving. Paralyzed by fear. Not becoming the person who you were destined for, and not becoming the person that is needed on earth. Matthew 11. Psalm 29. The Psalm of David. <laughs> okay, we're going to read Psalm 29. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit's on that Psalm 29. <laughs> Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Oh, come on, let's, let's just be real though. or Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he was least, the king of heaven, is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. This is, man, like, since the beginning, the enemy, with violence, is trying to push back the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so you're either going to be afraid now, you're going to let that come against you. Or you're like, the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm pushing forward. On, huh? yeah. I, is my personal belief, one of the most devastating, complex, and most debilitating sins. Yes, I said sins. I didn't say effects, I said sins one of the most devastating plus, and most debilitating, debilitating sins in mankind is being static. Why are you due to your own fear? Mm-hmm. Static, not growing, not, not, not becoming a son of God, not, not being transformed into glory in the image of the Lord, not going forth and doing what you've been called to do. Remaining a frog on a log, a bunk on a log, just existing with no real purpose, living a boring, boring life. There is nothing more sad than seeing the breath of God be removed from an individual. Because they just want to remake it. <sighs> Bro, sister, life is awesome. God has given us a life to enjoy. To enjoy! The joy of the Lord is my strength. Like, it's not like, oh, I can't, you know, life can't enjoy life. No! God wants you to enjoy life. It's one of the things that, that I love about Judaism, that Christianity's uh, learned from. They enjoy life! Yeah. Every Friday night, they have a glass of wine! The interesting statistics are alcoholism in Judaism is very, 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 very low. It's a whole other thing. That preacher on like, go drink. <laughs> I'm telling you enjoy life. And not be a drunkard, but enjoy life! you have to drink wine but like I said what I'm saying is it is time you gotta enjoy life I'm gonna go out and booze it up. So as Christians, I'm the knucklehead. I'm like, I'm gonna surprise everyone we're going skydiving. <laughs> I didn't tell my mom, so I know like, my mom would freak out when I'm 27 years old, but I got the videotape. And I, and I got home, I'm like, hey mom, I wanna show you something from the bachelor party of, of, of my brother-in-law. And she's like, oh my. And I put it in and she's like, oh. Now I you don't have to go skydiving. I might encourage you to go skydiving. I'm actually hand encouraging you to skydiving. its unbelievable. Yes, yeah, sign a waiver. out of 1,000 people die when doing They'll suffer major injury. You're like, what major injury do you suffer skydiving? You die, right? It's like, it's like and you go, know, oh my gosh, it's crazy. And you get all suited up, and then there's a cloud cover, so we're delayed. Today so you're sitting there, like, delayed, waiting for the clouds to go, and then we get, like, something to eat. They <laughs> go filled with a burger, and you like, oh, and you get this plane that's, like, shaking, it's not even pressurized, you know? It's like, and you're going up, and open up the window. You open up the door, and you stand on the edge at like 10,000 or 15,000 feet. And you look out, and you're like. you're <laughs> coming <laughs> And you roll out, and it's like, oh my gosh. I remember we were going. Like, I, I stopped breathing. Like, it's like 120 miles of, you know, terminal velocity, 120 miles of wind. Uh, I'm having a hard time breathing. I tell you about a hard time breathing, you start screaming. You scream. So. On a baby's butt when they're born. I'm like Aah! and then you're like, I can breathe! Oh! Oh my gosh! And then like you're like freaking out, like just open, open cord, open, open, just open, please. And you pull the cord and it's like Whoop. still as committed. And you're looking out and you land and you're like, oh let's
1: do it again. <laughs> oh I'm telling you the feeling
0: oh the feeling of life the adrenaline rush the beauty of adrenaline the Lord has given us it was like it's like man if you can bottle that you can sell that it's amazing but you could die I know you could die I know you're all you're all going to die right that's true. You, know, you resurrect the body. Enjoy life. You can't. You can't have fear. Uh, fear creates this par- paralysis in the spirit. I'm going to get a little bit more practical here. Just, this is a little bit more practical. Um, and uh, I think this is definitely a, 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 a second bottle of sermon. So if, if someone can get me a water, it would be great.
1: That
0: was my little test on who's going to be the Sunday morning uh, <laughs> assistant. Tellers? I know what I'm doing. No, it doesn't look like it, but I do. Did the Holy Spirit should send "You, do you have such a certain heart and hospitality? I think you'd be a great person." Alright, paralysis in the spirit. Uh, the fear that's based on the paralysis of the spirit is this, man. It's it's so sad. I'm telling you. Living a static life of not growing, of not of of, of not improving, and not enlarging the tent, not enlarging the garden of your church, your family, but really your personal life, because you are wrapped in chains of fear. I'm telling you, I I think there's nothing as sad as that. I'm I'm telling you. you. Thanks, man. Mini me. It's so sad. It's so sad because it's it's that's not what the life that's not what the Lord has designed for. You know, it's so sad not growing. Uh, it's really it's really to be honest, it, not growing. Whether it's because of fear or whatever, is really the place of perpetual childhood. It's the place of limited responsibility. It's the place of no reproduction in your life. That's exactly where Satan wants you. Stay frozen. You gotta let it go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call you <laughs> yeah. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. Right, this is power here. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I mean, this this hurts. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and thought as a child. But when I became a man or a woman, I put away challenged things. Right? Children don't bear the responsibility. Children don't reproduce. I mean, you, to be an adult, to be a man woman of God, uh, you need to step through certain stages of development, psychologically speaking. Now, I'm just telling you, it's, I mean, most psychiatrists would say that you know, people that suffer some type of major trauma in their life, they have a tendency to stop in that place. Yeah. Right. Now, they can grow out of it, but it takes a lot of therapy, right? So if you suffered a lot, of, a lot of trauma because of some type of fear in your life, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a kid, a problem with this and that, a unfaithfulness in, 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 in a spousal relationship, a dad that left you when you were a kid, a mom that left you when you were a kid, it may have created a place of trauma uh, where there is an element of fear, and the fear is making you conserve. And the fear is making you and keeping you in a state of paralysis where you're not able to grow into the man or the woman that God has destined for you to be. And that really stinks for you. But you know what it stinks more? What it stinks more is all the other people that need you to influence their life and show them the gospel and show them a the joyous life. That's the real tragedy. That's the real tragedy. I mean, you, it's you, whatever. Can't help you with the impact that you could have on a life and on other lives. And I know, you know well, some people out there are like, well, there's, there's, there's risky stuff. I'm not telling you to do something asinine. I, I, it's a great word because it's kind of, you kind of feel like you're cursing, but you're not. It's perfect for church and school, it's asinine. Right, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, you, you know, I'm not. I'm not there, there's something known as calculated risks, right? Yeah. Jumping out of a the plane is a calculated risk. The risk was one, one thousand. I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm serving Jesus. Like I have a, a call to live a life, and I'm not worried. I mean, I was living in Israel when bombs were going off every stinking week. My, my cafeteria exploded. Six people were killed. The bus that I used blew up. The, the coffee shop blew up. And people back in the States are like, like, aren't you afraid? Like, that's risky. I'm like, I don't have any fear. Because I know the Lord has told me to do this. That's different. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to go to Afghanistan right now because the Lord has not told me. But if he did, I'd be like, I'm good. I'm good. Come on. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, the Lord surrounds his people. Yeah. That's an sound that needs to go out.
1: Come
0: on. Now, there's two different types of people left brain, right brain, whatever you want to call them. conservative and liberal people. Now, everyone defaults to politics. I'm not talking about politics. but Conservative and liberal as a construct, as a state of mind, as a state of being. So when I'm saying conservative, I don't mean Republican. When I say liberal, I don't mean a Democrat. I mean there is a personality that each of us has that is either gravitating towards more conservative, not viewpoints, a conservative mind, versus one that is a liberal mind. That does not mean that one is, it doesn't mean that if you have a conservative mind that you're necessarily a Republican or if you have a liberal mind, you're necessarily a Democrat. That's not what I'm doing. See, I know that that's how Americans view these words, but in a sociological and developmental kind of way, it, that's not what we're talking about. Okay? It's about how your mind operates. There's right brain people, there's left brain people. Okay? It's, it's temperament and personality that we're talking about. Everyone got that? So, what's a conservative person? It's someone who, by nature, wants to conserve, wants to remain. Status quo, safety, order, togetherness, it's good, it's neat, it's put together, I feel good. Okay, certain type of people. Other type of people are, have a strong personality and temperament of openness. A lot of arts, uh, uh, artists are this way. A lot of musicians are this way. Like, their grid is one of openness. They don't like to border things, they like to stretch things, they like to see how things work. They like to see how much you can push the norm for places of growth and newness. Okay? Um, conservative minds like, uh, like to really protect what they have, and protect what's going on. And more liberal people are ones that like to experiment, want to try new things, right? Some of you are like, jumping out of a plane, heck no. Probably more of a conservative mindset in terms of personality. Other people are like, what are you doing (laughs) tomorrow? Let's do it. You might have more of a liberal mind. Once again, that's not Republican Democrat, right? It's a sociological, psychological principle. Uh, about a year or two ago, I don't remember I, I did this crazy weird sermon on uh, farmers and hunters. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Uh it's talking about like different types of people. There are people that want to farm and steward and take care of, and there's people that are hunters that want to like charge the next hill, see the next place, and grow and expand, right? It's essentially conservative liberal. Now this is tough if you're gonna espouse a relationship. Where, where the, the opposites attract, and they do attract, but there can be that kind of conflict. But what we have here is, like, many of you, I, I know a lot of you guys, I'm like, yep, that one's the conservative one, that one's the liberal one. You know, in terms of the experimentation, and openness to ideas and new things. Okay? All right, and the last thing that is, is really we're getting at here is this. I mean, there are people that are adverse to risk. They don't like risks. They just don't like risks. And then there are people that are more prone to take risks. Now, it's not that one is greater than the other, it's not that one is more important than the other, but each one needs to come to a balance. Alright, I was getting ready for a teaching of economics that I was doing with my day teaching. And I saw this really interesting interview with a multi-billionaire He gave a TED talk. Uh, and he was talking about like how ridiculously wealthy he was. Like he's like, you don't understand how wealthy, wealthy I am. It was really like humble guy, but he was like, you don't understand. I'm like, oh. he just had to dismantle. He's like, like you don't understand. Like me and my friends, we we, we, we bought a bank. We started a bank. Like, like. They, dressed like just like this, but he's like, you don't understand. Like, and he had a very interesting thing, and he was very real. He's like, you know what? Um, He's like, I'm a multi-billionaire. He's like, but I gotta be honest, he's like, I am not smarter than the average person. He's like, I'm really not that smart. You're like, he's like, no, he's like, I'm really not that smart. And then he's like, you know what, actually, a lot of you work a lot harder than I do. And he's like, I'm not even the most hardworking. He said the thing that made him differentiate between the others is that he has an unusual ability to risk. He didn't do the normal tracking line. Right? He didn't just do the, you know, the safe job. He was like, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to do this and then I'm going I'm to invest and then I'm going to sell I'm going to invest in this new venture and I'm going to do this. And at one point he was like, hmm, what is this thing called PayPal? This is pretty interesting. I think I'll invest in PayPal. Probably a good investment. And then there was this thing called Amazon. He was like, I think I'm going to invest in that. I think that's a good idea. And he took risks. Know that he could lose everything. But and so what is one of the recipes of all this, right? It's, it's, it's to grow is to risk. It's foregoing, present comfort for future gain. And uh, if we can have uh, Zeke come on down, the keys please. You know, lessons to the fearful people. Uh, I'm just gonna be real with you. Life is risky. Life is risky. And if then therefore, if you don't risk, you don't live. Get that. If life is inherently risky and you do not risk, then you do not live. Life is actually so risky that none of you are gonna get out of your life. I yeah, that's unless the true blowing of the trumpets comes, and you uh, know how that's all work, new bonding, and all that kind of stuff, but you get what I'm saying. And I I would encourage you this lessons to the fearful, if you are not willing to risk for the extraordinary. The extraordinary. That's right. Then you will have to settle for the ordinary. Amen. Amen. There is nothing in my bones that actually concerns me after getting saved, right? I mean, I'm saved, but there's nothing really more that concerns me more than living a mediocre life, an ordinary life, ordinary, with no special or distinctive features, normal. What is commonplace or standard? Fear and Elijah. There's a risk. Dang right, there's a risk. The kingdom of God goes forth with power and with authority. And there'll be protesters and there will be people that come against me. But the voice of the Lord is like the sound of many waters. He speaks and brings the deer to give birth. And He speaks and His voice is like thunder and lightning. Every, every great move of God has come with risk. Well, I wish I could live a life that was in accordance of getting me the Bible. I think that's a good way to look at your life. Am I living a life that would be worthy to be in the stories of the Bible? You're living an ordinary life. You're just one of those names in the the boring part of the census of Leviticus. that you just read over, that's who you are. Man, I want to live a life that if they were making Acts part 2, 2020, my name is in there and there's something to talk about. Don't be one of those lies, one of those nameless lies in the Bible that we just read over, you know, so-and-so began so-and-so began so-and-so. No purpose, because you're normal, you're standard, barely even worth being written about. And did Abraham live an ordinary life didn't Abraham live a life without risk did Moses think about these stories did Joshua did Deborah did Yael did Elijah Isaiah and the prophets they live ordinary lives did they have lives with no risk or calculated risk no John the Baptist an ordinary life apostles yes but uh, you know they were different they were special oh come on special but not special enough oh they were special but not special enough Matthew chapter 13 verse 17 you heard me correctly Moses was special But not special enough. Not as special as you. Isaiah was special, not special enough. Matthew thirteen verse seventeen. Ah, verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. Matthew chapter thirteen verse sixteen. I want you to get this. This is Jesus speaking. But blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes because you see. And blessed are your ears, may hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it; and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. It. Man, there are people in the Bible who were special. They did amazing things. How blessed are you to see, to hear a life and an eternity after the crucifixion. Right. How special and an extraordinary life is that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's right. How special and extraordinary you are that even Moses and David and Isaiah didn't have the revelation of Jesus, of the Emmanuel God with us, or the outpouring of the rule of HaKodesh, the Holy. And did not Jesus say, and you shall do even greater things than I have done? There is nothing ordinary about a Christian life. It's filled with life, it's filled with joy, and it's filled with risk. But Satan will use fear to keep you normal, keep you protecting it all. Come on, man. What did you get saved for? Come on, brother. Come on, sister. What on
1: earth and what in heaven
0: did you get saved for? That's right. For eternal life? Please. That's great. We're also to make an impact, to change the world, to partner with God, to defeat the hordes of hell. That's what you got saved for. Fear. Oh boy, fear won't let you do that. And so this Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Teru'ah, when some people in Judaism and some people even in Christianity are discussing a new year and eating apples and honey and all that cute stuff I'm telling us in this church in this body, let a sound of alarm go forth. Let a sound of repentance. Repentance from listening to the wrong frequency, the frequency of the world, the frequency of fear. Let us turn our eyes To the blast let's let's turn our ears to the blast of the shofar and hear the extraordinary a call to live an extraordinary extraordinary life in the gospel where we stand to pray to this father i come before you right now we come before you, Lord, and I just any authority that you've given as a pastor and a shepherd over this flock. I am praying right now that there will be a stirring in the spirit of God right now, Lord. I speak to the spirit of fear, I say, "You have no place in a son and." right now against that spirit of being concerned about just a little bit of risk. Not a crazy risk. I'm talking about like a little bit of risk Amen. to live a life in accordance to the gospel. To go do that thing that the Lord is calling your heart about. Amen. I speak to that. I speak to that chain. It's if you're removed. Yes. Yes.
1: You have no place here. Lord, I just pray
0: against again. It's that spirit, Lord. I just, I just release right now a freedom, a freedom to enjoy life. Not to go be drunkards, but enjoy life in all its as in all its being. Lord, I pray against the paralysis. That are living this static life, it's like it's like they're forty years old, thirty years old, and they're still living like a fourteen-year-old. But I pray that right now a deliverance, a deliverance of the spirit of man boys, men that are still children, men that are still boys, that bear no responsibility and haven't grown. Father, I pray, I pray that, that any women that are that, that are that are fearful and are afraid. From the traumas of their life. The traumas of the past. Look at the spirit that resided on Deborah. The spirit that resided on y- Yael. Who went to battle. Who went to fight against the kingdoms of darkness. Would rise up. And in a spiritual sense. That the Yaels would rise up. The, in English it's a Jael, But if the, the spirit of Yael would rise up. you would grab the tent peg. And stand into the temple of the enemy. To live, life risk, yes. to live a life of risk! To live a life of the extraordinary! It'd be super cheesy. Abraham Lincoln, I believe, said it this way. It doesn't matter how many breaths you're in your life, what matters is how many moments in your life
1: the breath is taken out of you, right? Out of that excitement. We release that in Jesus' name.